Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. Go to the Bible, to Matthew 9. If I sound fast, it's because I've got a lot of notes, and maybe I'll just make it a two-part series if I have to, because hopefully you'll enjoy this as much as I have enjoyed struggling through this, okay? Um, We're in a series called Garden Church, Essentials for Kingdom Life. This is a a value series of what we hope everyone at the garden embodies as values in their everyday life, practices as disciples of Jesus, but also as a community. We're hoping that our house churches embody and practice these values. So we talked about a life rooted in scripture, a life shared with loving family, a life driven by compassionate mission, a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk around this very, um, this, 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 uh, this other value, a life dedicated to extravagant generosity. I love this one. A life dedicated to extravagant generosity. I don't believe there's a more, I think this is the most important value for our entire church. This will have more significant transformation in your life if you embody it than any other value. I believe that with all my heart. If we want to see our city released into its new identity and story, we need to be an extravagantly generous church. If we want to see revival in Long Beach, we need to steward our households and our neighborhoods. If we want to see breakout and God breaking through in our city, we need to break the mindset of scarcity in our city. Are you with me? Are we ready to, for this one? Do you want me to preach this one or no? I just, I haven't got the feedback. I'm used to like 9 and 11. Any 11, 15ers here? Because they're, we're, I need you to, 11, 15, come on. You're going to experience 11, 15, 9, 15. You're going to see the highly favored service in just a moment. Come to life. Verse 35 of chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, listen to this, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. So Jesus is healing everyone, proclaiming the kingdom, and then he sees the crowd. He has compassion. His his stomach is wrenched from the inside out. He feels so deeply. He has to do something about it, and his solution is not him doing more. Pray that God would solve this crisis, this problem, and send out laborers. But look at the solution. Jesus, the very next verse, what does he do? He calls his 12 disciples to him, and then he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. Compassion leads to generosity. Jesus has compassion, and it leads to him giving away his ministry to his disciples. Listen to verse 7. Go to verse 7, chapter 10. As you go, he's commissioning them, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Jesus is filled with compassion. It leads to his, this kingdom strategy. Generosity is the kingdom strategy for expansion and multiplication. 
How is God going to renew all things through his generosity? This is Jesus's strategy. Jesus generously gives what he has to his followers so that they can generously give what they have to the world. By this, the ministry of Jesus expands and multiplies. Ordinary men and women given the authority of Christ to do the things that Christ was doing wherever they go. And Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. Give away what I've given you. Jesus first, a couple of thoughts on this. Are you guys with me? Okay, I don't have time to go slow through this. I'm gonna go fast. Jesus is teaching his followers to break a scarcity mindset. Freely you have received, freely give. The kingdom begins with abundance. But our world and our culture is shaping us to feel like we are not enough. Every single one of us lives in an environment that is is shaped by the fact that you are not good enough, you are not smart enough, you don't have enough, you are not successful enough, you don't have enough power, you don't have enough uh, information or knowledge. And so the answer to that problem, that insufficiency, is to consume. So we live in a consumeristic culture that organizes itself around this scarcity mindset that you are, you are not enough. Your, your self-image is not enough, what you have. We value people by net worth, possessions and things. This is, this is the American consumer culture. And Jesus, I think Jesus is confronting it with this calling and commissioning of his disciples. He begins by saying you are in a kingdom of abundance, not scarcity. That you don't start with you're not equipped enough. You already have all of the equipment you need for the job. The American uh, culture teaches us scarcity and it it teaches us to define ourselves by consumerism, by uh, by money and possession, self-image and success. And it leads us to fear, anger, depression, anxiety, burnout, and debt. Can I get an amen? Amen. Are we all, are, do we all have symptoms of this scarcity mindset in ourselves? So Jesus confronts it with his disciples. In fact, I, I love it because um, he, he confronts it in a way that offers us such a unique perspective that we can offer in the world. And it's, it, it, I'll get to generosity in a second. But I had this meeting a couple of weeks ago or months ago with Kyle Schaefer and his wife, uh, Kaya. It's Kaya, right? I always, her name, yes, Kaya. And they, they, um, they were working for navigators at Cal State Long Beach, and they got married. And I'm sitting, and I'm like, guys, why are you leaving, going to San Diego to be trained with an organization to go to unreached people group around the world? This is what they're doing. Why are you doing this? They said, well, people today don't know Jesus, and it's just not right. So we want to help with that solution. We want to be a solution to that problem. They're like, we're, our hearts are so broken that people in our alive today. I've never heard the name of Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to go to an unreached people group to, to bring him. I'm like, that's, inc- that's crazy. Kyle, that's insane. And Kyle goes, and the other thing um, is we got married and we have no debt. And we just thought, why not, why not go for it? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. This new married couple, college students, are willing to use their freedom to give to those that have never heard the name of Jesus. Isn't that crazy? We have no debt, so let's just go. But think about the profound implications of this. Debt limits our capacity to give. Debt limits our capacity to go. 
Debt limits our imagination for what God can do in our life. Are you with me? Debt cripples our discipleship. Don't talk about debt. You're talking about me. Jesus trains his followers to have an abundance mindset. We already have more than enough to begin with. He, he, in verse 9, he says, um, uh, he says this in verse 9 of 10, Do not get any gold or silver or, or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandal or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Eugene Peterson phrases it this way. This is so good. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment, and all you need to keep that going is three meals a day. Travel light. I, just, I read that this week, and I just had to repent. Like, we just, we start off with, okay, I came to faith. I, I've been a Christian for 10 years. I, I, discipleship? I can't disciple anyone. I've never been discipled. I don't know enough about God. I'm not holy enough. What is this? I'm not good enough. I don't, will people listen to me? I, I, I don't, I'm not like one of those paid professionals. Isn't this what we carry around? Insufficient scarcity mindset? Jesus says when you come, become a Christian, you have more than enough to give away already because the kingdom is abundant. It says in chapter 10, verse 1, um, he says he, he gives authority to his followers. He gives them his authority. When you step into it, you step into this generous kingdom with, where the kingdom of God will flow through you. Heavens will flow through you if you let it. You don't need more education. Just give away the education that you have. So all you read was John. Give away John to somebody. You're really good at fixing cars. Invite people to help you uh, learn how to fix cars. And along the way, they will become more like you as a disciple. Give away whatever it is you already have. This is the kingdom paradox. This is the kingdom. We'll, we'll get to it in a second. But I love this. He's teaching his disciples to go in empty-handed, come out full. Go into cities empty-handed, come out. How many of you need a, a faith for your business to walk into this crazy idea this, cra- this, uh, this cannot be, this, it's not going to work. Walk into it empty-handed and watch God provide faithfully if it's dedicated to him, if he's called you to it. I, I, I just believe we, we have to get, because there's, okay, go to Matthew 14. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do, are you guys, are, you, are we feeling good this morning? I, I had some coffee. Check this out. So this is the story of Jesus feeding 5,000, right? It's a miracle. The disciples said, send them all home. They need to eat food. We don't have any food for them. Jesus says this, verse 16. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. He tells his disciples just a few chapters early, he gave them his authority. Now 5,000 plus women and children are gathered and they're like, we got to feed them. He says, Jesus says, well, you give them something to eat. And someone has this idea like, well, well, all we have, scarcity, are five loaves and, uh, of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, I can use that. Bring them to me. All I got is this business plan with no investors. I can use that. All I got is this heart for inner city kids. And there's no funding. There's, there's, there's no support. 
I can use that. Are you with me? Abundance mindset. Jesus then, he says, he directs the people to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and two fish. He looks up into heaven, gave thanks, broke the loaves. Look at what he does. He gives it to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people, gave the bread. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12. How many disciples are there? 12, 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is a miracle of abundance. God uses five loaves and two bread to feed 5,000 people because generosity. Somebody said, well, what I do have, this is, this is all I have, but I give it to you, God. This is all I got. I can use that. Some of you are looking at your life and your situation. You're looking at your, your finances and you're saying there's no possible way. And if you just can switch your mindset from what you don't have to what do you have and be willing to give what you, Jesus is not saying give away what you don't have. He's saying give away what you do have. The problem is most of us aren't thinking the way God is thinking because generosity is the heart of God. When we start stepping in and giving, we step into the heart and flow of the kingdom of God. When we start giving to other people, we start reflecting the nature and character of God to other people. God so loved the world that he gave. Are you with me? But it's a paradox because in chapter 10, verse 1, he gave them authority. What does authority look like? It's intangible. You have no idea that you have it until you act upon it. The disciples don't know what they have or they carry until they give it away. Pause there for a moment. This is the kingdom paradox. It's like the same thing like the greatest in the kingdom are least. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. This is, the, this is the upside down kingdom. And I found it here in this text. I, I had this revelation. Like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I don't understand this. Everyone I talk to wants more of God. Everybody wants more. I want more of this, more of that. And Jesus is saying the gateway to more is through giving. If you hold on to it, you will never have enough. If you give it away, you will never be in need. The paradox is you don't know what you have until you start giving. You can shape environments by the crumbs that you're willing to give away because God will trust you with more to give away. This is what he's teaching in this text. Acts 3, the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. They walk up to temp the temple, the gate of beautiful, and they see this man asking for money. And he's like, I don't, Peter and John, I don't, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give freely. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. The guy gets up and walks. What are you carrying? What do you carry? I mean, if this is just a moral feel-good, show up to a social club and, and experience happy relationships to make my marriage and parenting better, this is the wrong church. What are you carrying? What did you walk in here with? What do you go home to? What do you have access? That is a, an intentional, strategic position from God in heaven to use to bless the nations. Because it's not yours, it's his, and he gave it to you to steward. I don't have time to go to Genesis. I wish I did. I love it. People are like, Darren, I just want to experience more of God in my life. Okay, come, come forward on Sunday and pray for other people to experience more of God in their life. Nine times out of ten, that person that gets prayer experiences it, and that person witnessed God. 
I mean, this is, this is, this is the paradox. This is how it works. It's, it's, just, it's just amazing to see what God does when you're willing to give away what God's giving you. Sometimes you give away things that you don't even know you have. I, I've shared this story about when I had this, I had this word of knowledge for a woman in Ralph's and I gave it to her and she said, it's not for me and she was scared. I was scared and I ran away. <laughs> Baby, leave the cart, we're going. We gotta get, I don't wanna see her. I don't wanna, that's literally what happened. And then the same day, UPS driver, I've shared the story. Eddie comes up, I didn't know him, bandages all over his arm. He's gonna retire from UPS. I, I did not give anything. My prayer was so, ha- was so weak. <laughs> Lord, just do what you want to do. Amen. Okay. And that was it. True story. And then he got healed. Crazy. Crazy. I didn't know. He wanted healing. He got healing. Here's, here's what's full circle. Three weeks ago, I'm in, I moved. So I'm back in my old neighborhood. I see Eddie. Eddie parks his UPS truck, gets out of the truck, gives me a hug. Darren, I have been reading the word every single day since you prayed for me. My marriage is better. My relationships are better. Hold on. That prayer changed my life. What was the prayer? Oh, God, just do whatever you want to do. Okay. Sometimes you don't even know what you carry until you give it away. Extravagant generosity is not dependent on you or your heart. Because you know what I've learned is you got to discipline yourself to generosity. Like, let me give you an example of discipline. So this doesn't come easy, okay, especially for my wife. And she, she, my wife here was my baby. This has been a long journey. She grew up saving. She came into our marriage with savings. I came in with debt. She, I got the better deal across the board. Um, <laughs> obviously. But we, 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 we've had to discipline ourselves. In fact, I, I recognize the enemy fights me all the time with scarcity mindset. Money is a stronghold in my life. Fear that I won't provide for my family. Fear that people are going to leave and, you know, I can't say the wrong, the wrong thing. People will leave and take all their things. That's literally what I carry as a pastor. In fact, God has, has to break that from me, and he continues to do it. One of the ways he does it is by the discipline of giving. So I was on a men's retreat, and we were at like a Denny's or something or some other restaurant. And my wife calls me frantic. Darren, there's water everywhere. There's a backup there. Both sinks are full. I don't know what to do. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I'm with the guys. Guys, pray. I, there's like something going on. And my wife has Ezra by, by herself. I'm about to go away for like seven days with no cell reception. So we're like, okay, we got a number from someone at the trip with a plumber. And, and we're like, call the plumber. It's going to be expensive. And I immediately, Alex is like, oh my gosh, we don't have money for this. What are we going to do? And I immediately step into the scarcity mindset. There's not enough. True story. I mean, this is crazy. So I, I started going into this place. And now my heart is split. I'm at this men's thing. I'm supposed to encounter God. And, and I'm with these guys. And we're tr- it's been crazy already. But my wife is in chaos. So the plumber's coming. Oh, my gosh. It's going to cost all this money. Literally in that moment, God goes, I want you to practice giving. So I walk quietly over to the, to the, to the desk. I give him my card. I pay for the meal. Why? Six guys. Why? Because my heart wasn't there. My mind wasn't there, but I can align my finances with God's heart. By saying I'm going to give, I'm saying I don't, I'm not dependent on the money. I'm dependent on God's provision. Now, guess what happened? Now, this is not a prosperity gospel thing. If you do this, this will happen. Somebody paid for the bill, for, for the, the plumbing bill. We didn't have to pay, and it wasn't a big deal. It ended up being a few hundred bucks, more than the meal, But it was that moment where I'm like, no, there's more in the kingdom. This is about abundance. Are you with me? The power of generosity. 
The power of aligning and disciplining ourselves. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, this is the end of a parable. I, I don't have time to explain. But he says this, verse 10 of chapter 16. I really want everyone to go there. I should pause for this text. This is the word of the Lord. I'm not going to beat through this. Jesus wants you to hear this. Chapter 16, verse 10. Pull out a highlighter. Highlight this. Memorize it. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. All right. If you can be trusted with very little, in this parable, the very literal is money. This is the heavenly perspective Jesus is teaching. Money is very little in the kingdom economy. If you can be trusted with little money, then you will be trusted with true riches. He's saying if you can handle the material stuff that you are given, then you are ready for the spiritual stuff. If you can learn to operate with a generous mindset with your stuff, then I will give you my stuff to operate with. Do you see how generosity is connected to revival? Jesus gives away his ministry and the disciples go and do what he was doing and it's a mini revival. Everyone's getting healed because they're giving it away. It's not just money, it's everything. But Jesus says on, in the kingdom economy, your income and what you do with money has eternal consequences. I don't like this parable, read it. What we do with our stuff. And I'm not talking about if you make millions of dollars. I'm talking about whatever God has given you, he's expecting a return on his investment. Your relationships, your knowledge, your education, your wisdom, your experience in that field that no one else has, your hardships, the things, the sufferings that God has entrusted you with to steward for others to be comforted through the season of suffering that they've went through that they went through your money your second home your car your second car your fridge your spare fridge in the garage your your old iPhone in that drawer all of that i believe god will say what did you do with it and that sucks <laughs> am i right if you had to give an account today for how you're stewarding all of your resources, what would God say? If God was like, I'm going to audit you. How stressful is it if your IRS doesn't audit? Anyone go through that? How stressful is that? You start, did I buy the coffee on the right card? Like, I don't remember. Like, you're going through. But we don't, we don't do that with God with all this stuff before him. I think... This is a major thing that we need to, I want to just address. This is why it's so important because money is a gift to steward. Money is a tool to build the kingdom. And I, I have so much to say. And I, I just want to tell you, like, I've been, I've been wrestling with this, this particular idea of generosity. I, I, I just, I grew up in a, uh, my mom was the most generous person. Her, her mom was the most generous person. This idea of freely you have received, freely give, that has been ingrained in my head as a pastor, partly because of Don Williams. 
He just said constantly, who are you investing in? Who are you giving away? Teaching, focusing on the kingdom. And here's, here's my thoughts on this. I want to just share this. So I've been wrestling. Does my budget, my spending, my savings account, my 401k, my dreams, my desires for the future, do they reflect the heart of God and his desire for me and the world that I interact with or not? If he was in charge of all of those things, what would it look like in my everyday life? If God had a say over my bank account, over my schedule, over my relationships, what would he change if he was in charge of my life? This is a dangerous question. I don't want you to ask it. I don't want you to ask it if, you, if you're somebody who will obey what God says. I do want you to. I'm just being a little sarcastic. You can ask it here in the service. Oh, that's a, fu- that's a funny question, but let me just say that again. If God was in charge of your spending, your calendar, your savings, your 401k, your retirement plan, your house, your home, your cars, all of your, if he was in charge, what would look different? If you said, God, I give you permission, I'll put everything on the table, I give you permission. Brothers and sisters, I gotta I got just tell you, and I'm gonna share this very vulnerably. I got permission from my wife, real time, and then this will, will go into closing. But like, Alex and I, we ask this question regularly. And recently we asked this question, like, Lord, what would you do if we gave you our life, where we're at? And about three weeks into Amos being born, I heard God say, move and sell your house. Now, here's the thing. I never thought I would ever own a home. I'm a pastor. never thought I would have resource for that. But two years ago, Alex and I bought a house near the airport, loved it. We're in a community with friends that we love. John lives nearby, walk to each other's houses all the time. We're in this beautiful little home with this great backyard. I envision training Ezra on all sports, soccer and baseball. Big old trampoline in the backyard, curated living spaces. It was 1,200 square feet. It's a beautiful home. Never thought we'd own it. Three-week-old and a three-year-old, and God says, I want you to sell and move. And here's what I sensed. He wanted us to go back to the neighborhood we lived in, Belmont Heights, Bluff Heights area, start a house church, and put everything on the table and question everything we own. And so, that's great, God. Thank you. I hear you. But tell that to a mother with a three-week-old who's nesting, who has curated all these spaces, and her heart and desire was to eventually own a home. And the thing about my wife is so beautiful is that she will listen to God, even if it takes her a while. Most of the time, she hears it first, and it takes me a while. And this one, she was immediately, I think it's from the Lord. And this was the hard, painful process. So we felt like a few things we had to do. We had to move first and secure a place and then put our home which we couldn't close until like after capital gains law. Anyone know what I'm talking about? There's like a two-year, I don't know any of this. I've been signing docu-signs. I don't know what I'm signing. Um, <laughs> it's just like, whatever. So here's what happened through this process, okay? So I'm just going to share. Um, there's no moral, everyone should sell. This is just my obedience with the Lord. He was, we had a lot of security in the house. We had false understanding of what it means to have roots. Roots are not a physical location. Roots are your investment in people's lives. So we, we carry this, oh, if I just get the house, then I will start being X, Y, Z. That's BS. It's, it's your relationships that you invest in. So my wife and I, we, we um, found a house, and it didn't work out, and then we found another house. We signed a three-year lease before a house was listed because God said to. 
And then we, we listed our house, and for 20-something days, we had more people going through our home than anyone else. And our, our realtor was saying, more people have walked through your home and not put offers than any other house. And he does like $14 million in Newport. He was just like shocked. I was shocked as well. So we're in this other house, and both kids get sick the first week we're there. Oh, let me just go back. So the Friday we're moving out, I'm just crying, basically. I have all these guys helping me move, and I'm just a wreck. I'm literally picking up boxes from our, our garage going, I'm not going to be here anymore. Like, uh, Lord, what the heck? I'm just doubting everything, even as we're moving. God, why? What are you doing? You better show up. You better, because he gave me this passage in Mark 10. Whoever leaves house, mother, brother, sisters, and fields, for my sake, will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and the age to come. I'm like, God, it better be a hundred times as much. <laughs> Holding you to a true star. I'm literally praying. I'm like walking. Karen, I'm like, Chris, you guys were there. They're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm grieving. This is hard. I, there's, no, there's no silver lining. Our house isn't set. Like, all this. So we switch schools. Ezra Amos was like, Three months old, we're moving. We were like living in two places. And the first week we, we moved to the new place. It's like everything's in chaos. Both kids get sick. Alex gets the shingles from stress. A new a mom of a three-month old. I'm like, this is horse. She goes to the doctor. And no one's buying our house. And we're stressed out of our minds. And we're like, we can't afford mortgage and rent. This is God, where the heck are you? And the doctor says, what's going on in your life that you have shingles? Are you stressed? Well, she has a newborn. I'm not sleeping. I have a three-year-old. And I just moved houses. And now our house isn't selling. She's like, yeah, you're stressed. While she's at the doctor, a friend calls me. Hey, Darren. I was praying. And, um, you know, I, I thought about you launching house churches and the vision God's given you and, and where your heart is. And I just feel like, God wants you to know that I have your back. And you should be focused on the vision he's given you, not trying to sell your house. So here's the deal. If the house doesn't sell in the time frame you need it, I'll cover the mortgage. Just start bawling. I hang up, call my wife. She starts bawling in the doctor's office. You know what money was used for in that moment? To release burden and confirm his voice in putting everything on the table. Our house that day, four hours later, two offers, and it's going to be an escrow. We're not even going to need the money. But I just want to talk about this. Are you, and, and the reason I'm sharing it in this way is because it's not for everyone, but if you ask the question, what would you do? Have the courage to follow through. And even in the following through, it's going to suck. It's produced. Alex and I have never been more generous in our entire life. In a month of being in our new home, we've hosted more people than in two years at the house by the airport. We started a house church. We literally, after one week, with all of the relationships, our neighbors have come to church. We've had this incredibly vibrant experience where we literally on the Friday after the week, after all this stuff happened, buyers going, we said, God, it's already a hundred times. And I, I feel like what God's doing in my life, I just want to share. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. We, I, I can tell you over that, that period, we, Alex and I said things we shouldn't say to each other. We fought a lot. We questioned. We doubted. I was asking for a sign from the Lord. I was like, just give me a sign. He's like, you don't need a sign. Like, trust me. And it was so hard. But I, I feel like what was going on in our life is we had put this, this, this 
we, we projected this life in the future. Like you, you save and then you have kids and then you, you need more space for the kids so you get a bigger place and then you need your own place so you buy a place and then you need to expand that place and then eventually you sell to get the bigger place. And that's the track of the American dream, is it not? And where is that in scripture? Are we more aligned to the American dream or Jesus' gospel to give everything we have away? And for us, that freedom, that release of mortgage has given us this freedom to be like, we could go anywhere. We're a threat to the, to the kingdom of darkness because we'll do anything he says. We're not limited anymore because of debt. We're not burdened by it because we want to live extravagantly generous. I have so many stories. I can't, I'm sorry. I, maybe I should pick up next week. You want me to talk more next week? All right, I'm probably not going to do it. Um, wasn't good enough. So I, I didn't have like the closing, but I realized like in our, if our mindset is to hold on to what we have, we'll never have enough. If our mindset is to give it away, um, we'll never go without because money will reflect our life and values in the kingdom of God. Where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Some of you here just need freedom over your finances. I have like five disciplines. I don't have time to go through this. This is so fun. But you put up those, all, the, all five disciplines. I'm just gonna read that and then I gotta go because I gotta do the memorial. Practice saying, how do we grow in extravagant generosity? We have to discipline our hearts. So one, start saying thank you. You have received everything you have in your life. Do not think you did it on your own strength. Grace has been all over you. Say thank you for it. Some of you have lots of stuff. Say thank you. Some of you have very little. Say thank you. It doesn't matter. Start with Thanksgiving. Second, this is just a practical. I want the garden to be the most generous tippers in Long Beach. Seriously, any baristas and waiters and servers, you're welcome for this. Um, Garden Church, if you budget money, and I can email you this list if you want it. It's totally good. Um, if you need money, or sorry, if you have money budgeted for eating out, I want you to increase that money for eating out and tip 30% or above. Wouldn't that be amazing? Every coffee, 30%? You might eat less, but why not do it? When I was a server, I was a server for four years. The people I remembered were people that didn't tip and those that gave a lot. Let's be remembered as tippers, Yeah. Third, random acts of giving generously. Guys, every time you walk into a coffee shop, every time you walk into a grocery store, every time you go to buy something for yourself at the mall, would you think, who can I bless today? I want you to walk around. You're carrying something. It might be word of knowledge. It might be a, a coffee. It might be someone's meal. It might be the box that somebody needs for work. When you step into Target or Walmart, brothers and sisters, do not go in for yourself. Go in for kingdom expansion and multiplication. Are you guys good? Can, can you do that? Who's going to commit to tipping? Let's just do it. Let's just say for the next till January 1st, 30%. You guys good? I want Rose Park, Lord Windsor. I want all the coffee shops. Like, gosh, what's up with these 30% tips? Just say, God loves you. Garden Church. God loves you. Third, fourth, I want you to tithe. Now, I don't have time to talk about tithe. Most of you aren't tithing. Most of you don't give. Ten, tithe is a 10% to the worshiping community. If you don't tithe, there's no, I don't, 17% of the church tithes, gives 10% or gives a percentage of income to the church. I want you to practice tithing. Here's the deal. If you don't tithe to the garden, you're like, oh, the pastor's talking about tithing. And you're, you have that heart. Tithe to LBCF, Grace Brethren, or Precious Lamb Preschool. I want you to tithe somewhere else. Don't tithe. If your heart's, I'm not asking for your money. I'm asking for your heart. 
I want you as a gardener to be shaped in Christ-likeness. This is a massive one. If we don't put a percentage of our income aside for God and say, this is no strings attached, money going to the kingdom building, an expansion of in Long Beach as it is in heaven. If you're not participating by giving, you're not participating. Some of you are here and you have no money to give. We should be giving to you. And guess what we do? The garden does that. And if you have need, I had somebody, check this out. We're going to do this real quick. Somebody today was like, hey, there's a potluck. I, don't, I have some people here that don't have money for food after this. Is there anyone that could take care of that food that's going to bring food? Can I, I need seven meal for seven people. Does anyone here want to go outside after this? Where's your hand? Meredith's got it. So we got, so seven people, Meredith, you come and talk to me and I'll connect you. But we need food. We need to take care of each other, but we need to start with tithing. That's a whole other sermon. Lastly, Take an inventory, give everything you have away. What do you have to give? Some of you are personal trainers. Use some of that skill to give away. Some of you have more time than others. Give that time away. Just go across. If God was gonna, if you were gonna give an account to the Lord for everything you have, what would he say? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.